Welcome to Everything is Television. My name is Justin Blizzard. I'm Keith Krepko. And I'm Chris Summers. And I just, I, I want to say because we, Justin and I have recorded before. Sure. Um, on some other television shows and then our main show, Everything is Interesting. But for people who have been listening to us and don't know Chris, I feel like some kind of a hook is going to help them. <laughs> so... <laughs> We, we haven't come up with a good nickname for each other yet, but I think a visual reference is good. And so with Chris, I think if you imagine Chris as the real life version that Tom Cruise characters are based off of, like <laughs> specifically in like Born on the Fourth of July, uh-huh. like if you looked up that real guy's picture, it would look like Chris. And you'd be like, oh, I could see why they picked Tom Cruise to play that. Right. So Thank there you, you. go. I he's think. like a beaten up. He's seen. He's a Tom Cruise who's seen some stuff. Right. That's a lot nicer than I was expecting you to be. Yeah. Well, I was it's waiting accurate. for like for you to pull the rug out or something. No. All right. That's. I, it's, a, it's a clear picture. Sure. No. It's great. It's an honest. I agree. Picture. I agree. Okay. So Thank this you. is our uh, our podcast. We're, this is a, a podcast that we're reappropriating to do sort of television shows. Talk about television shows with. The first one we're going to talk about is the Hulu original series 112263 that is coming out. I think it's airing this Monday, right? The 15th. Mm-hmm. President's Day. Wink. Oh, yeah. There you go. Uh, that makes more sense than the day after Valentine's Day, which was how right. I was seeing it. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> I'm thinking, why are they releasing this possibly really bizarre series the day day after valentine's day (laughs) (laughs) that's what i'm here for yeah um so yeah we're going to be talking about uh multiple series on this podcast i think we'll for more or less we'll be doing one at a time though so the first one's going to be this hulu series so let's talk a little bit about what is your level of experience with the show or exposure to the show you know have you read the book are you familiar with the people involved? Chris, did you know this was based on a book? Um, all I knew was that it was based on Stephen King's book. But right. I, don't, I didn't really know anything about it except for, you know, James Franco, President Kennedy. That's about the extent of Have it. Have either of you watched the trailer? Yes. I just watched it here before the show. Oh, okay. I hadn't seen it before then. I watched it when it was first released. And the only thing I remember from it, I remember two things, actually. Okay. The first thing I remember is thinking, this looks really good production value-wise for a Hulu original series, which Mm -hmm. there hasn't been a lot of. And then I saw James Franco's goatee, and I Mm. thought, that's where they cut all of the budget at, (laughs) was on that (laughs) goatee because that thing <laughs> looks horrendous it looks like like i'm imagining i'm almost imagining a scene like you know those scenes like after someone has like facial surgeries but you can only see the back of their head right and then they hold the <laughs> mirror up and the person's like ah! <laughs> and then you see his goatee that's what i'm imagining the introduction of that goatee is i'm but- i'm imagining um because I, I just saw it, and I think your your memory is kind of fuzzed it a little bit. It doesn't bit. look that bad. No, it it it, do, it doesn't look as bad as you're saying. But based on your description, I imagine watching this, and then 
20 minutes into the episode, we realized that it's just CG. It's not a real goatee. And he like stipulated in his contract, like, I want a CG goatee. Uh-huh. And I will only do this based on you putting. Right. And, and so it looks like a, like a fake. Because it is. It's, it's unruly. It's, it's like it's insane looking. Yeah, it's like a un, it's like he took the time to manicure around it, but mm-hmm. then let it grow. But then he didn't like go crazy like um like a metal. Well, I mean, there's no way it's real goatee. There's nothing actually growing right there. That is a fake goatee. Oh, you think it's like a, there's no way it's well, real. Half the Pastry. show, I, I only think we have to deal with the goatee when he's in present time because it appears that all his older picture, uh, the shots of him. From the 60s, he's clean shaven. That's or what I was hoping for. Or is it vice versa? No, it looks like he's... Uh, I'm looking at pictures from the show. So you're probably right. It probably is fake. I'm hoping for minimal goatee involvement, which... But then it also has me thinking, this is uh, James Franco. Mm-hmm. Like, he has done some crazy things for performances in the past. Mm-hmm. He can't grow a goatee. No. He's high. I mean, he, you can just assume he's high at all times. <laughs> he doesn't know what he's doing. You can't hold him accountable for the decisions that he does and does not make. No, I certainly don't hold him accountable. I'm just glad he uh, wake up in the morning. <laughs> You're just happy to open Twitter and realize that James Franco hasn't died <laughs> in the night. <laughs> exactly. Um, but getting back to answer your question... Um, this was something that I, for the last, strangely, like in our, in our family, um, Mm -hmm. Justin and I, we always get each other as like secret Santa gifts for like the last five years. Mm -hmm. I think this book was the beginning of that trend. Right. Well, I have to confess, I've cheated on a lot of those. Oh, you, you, you've selected There's a lot of times where I could see your name and I just picked your name. Oh, yeah, because it's easy <laughs> well, buying a gift for somebody else. Well, I've never cheated, and I've gotten you All every right. single time. Um, and so, yeah, you, you got me this book, and it was a book that I was interested in reading. And for me, Stephen King is one of those like subtle secret influences that you don't realize how big they are in your life and mind until um, later on when you realize, like, Everything that I've written, I've kind of been influenced by Stephen King. Mm-hmm. The the thing or the writer that proved to me that I could never be a professional writer was Stephen King. Mm-hmm. Just his volume and even the books that I didn't like. Just his ability to tell a story that flowed really well, that seemed easy for him to kind of get out, which for me, it's impossible to write with mm-hmm. any flow because I just start doubting myself after the first sentence. Right. And, um, and then I got, I got this book. So I was interested in this book. Number one, because I, I loved King's period pieces. Like I even like hearts in Atlantis, which isn't one of his, I think top tier regards, top tier books, Mm -hmm. but because he, he kind of grounded it in his history, his past. And he has such a great vivid way of recalling like, his childhood, like the 60s, mm-hmm. 50s. Um, and this book combined that with time travel. And then I knew Stephen King was going to do something possibly supernatural or something I wasn't expecting in the book. So I was interested to read it. And then when I got it, I read through the book and loved it. 
And then it was one of those things I forgot about. And then when I heard there's a TV show coming, I got super excited about. So it's something that I like, I would have never told you I wanted. Like if you were like, hey, Keith, what's a dream, you know, kind of project you'd like to see? I would never think of this book even after having read it. But now that it's here, I think that it totally makes sense. And it's on James Franco and everybody involved to screw it up, mm. which <laughs> there's a good chance that they could. Yeah. When you look at all the pieces involved, but, but the source material is better than under the dome, let's say. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll, I'll go ahead and say that one of my biggest turnoffs for any piece of writing or film is time travel. There's something about time travel that I hate. I feel like it's cheating. Mm-hmm. So there, this is already a challenge for me to, to properly enjoy this. I also happen to think Stephen King is a little bit of a, a corny writer. Oh, I remember yeah. I reading. Oh. We're on the same page. Yeah, every time I every book I've read, it's the same pattern of just sheer corniness. Um, and and don't get me wrong, I've I've read Stephen King's the most uh, is the writer I've read the most from, and I've liked many of his books, but it's cringeworthy sometimes. Some of the stuff he writes. What if I told you that the time traveling in this story took place by a guy <laughs> walking into a closet? <laughs> that did anything for you? <laughs> only makes it better right he walks into the closet more or less which which look you have two choices with time travel right you can either go the um primer way sure and just basically say uh we're gonna devote half of our time into setting up the rules of this time travel machine and device or you can go the C.S. Lewis route, which is basically I was just like, going to say the hey, Narnia way. Yeah. Right. Walk into this cupboard and then go into this other dimension. Yeah. Done. Sure. And uh, I'd, I'd rather walk into a closet than have it be like, mm-hmm. oh, Stephen King. You know, look, the other thing is his book is already 800 pages. Right. I'm no, holding look, this thing I'm right now. I'm fine with either way as long as it makes sense in the story. It really doesn't bother me either mm-hmm. way. I, I and I like time travel. I have no issues with time travel. I just think it's funny. On I think it's funny to as a completely removed idea from a story to be like, yeah, this guy time travels by walking into a closet. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, when you say it like that, exactly. Of it's it's a rough start. <laughs> All right, so let's um so let's talk about what Stephen King books have you read? I'm assuming you've read almost all of them, Keith. Impossible. No, I, I've read a lot. Most of them. But yeah, I feel like every time I walk into a bookstore, there's another book by him. Mm-hmm. And he keeps retiring. I think he's setting like going for a, a world record on the amount of times a professional writer has retired mm-hmm. and then released books. Like he's setting a, a Cal Ripken Jr.-esque mark in mm-hmm. writing. For how many times you retire and then release a book after saying you mm-hmm. retired? Well, you like, told me we were in high school and you told me that you think that Stephen King's next book is his last. Exactly. And we're talking 16 years ago now. I yeah. said that. Yeah. You said that. <laughs> 16 years ago. That's me. And this is me now saying, uh, yeah, that, and I guess that's why that stood out to me. Yeah. This guy <laughs> keeps retiring and writing books. There's no way I could keep up with. Well, he can't stop himself. You can't stop. Well, I I think this to expand a little bit on the corny side of it. 
it, it, it some of it just seems I, I for me some of it just gets so far out there that's what seems corny to me like you know i read insomnia yeah mm-hmm. which have you read that yes have either of you read that yes i actually have read that the, i read it when i had insomnia go oh, on oh there you go the I opening <laughs> i want to say maybe third or fourth of that book is really super good and the encounter that he has with the fat guy after like a car accident i think does that ring any bells large person yeah it still sticks out in my mind just because of the way that character is written and the way the encounter plays out is so kind of creepy and unnatural but at the same time like it's not totally out there it just is kind of like man it just does a really good job of sort of building this weird tension but then that tension almost always pays off with like the most bizarre like um like in in insomnia ends up being these two twins from like another dimension or something (laughs) right that are like Mm -hmm. controlling people's minds I can't even really remember. I just remember it being like, yeah, I don't even remember. Really lost me on this. Or Pennywise the clown being a gigantic spider Mm -hmm. that's living in space, right? Ooh, I don't remember that. that. That is just like he just loses me. Whereas the being is so good, um, you know. So so I read Insomnia. I've read it. I've read. Salem's Lot, mm-hmm. which sure. is a super good book. Yeah, that's one of the better ones. Yeah. Um, well, I think that might be it. In terms of his movies, It to this day, the TV <laughs> version of It, or the only version of It, is one of the most terrifying things I've ever seen. That was like mm-hmm. literally one of my worst experiences as a child watching that movie and it still haunts me to this day. Well, I remember the one thing that convinced me to watch is when I realized Tim Curry was Pennywise. I was just going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And when I was a kid, I remember I kind of had a weird thing for Tim Curry. Like I loved clue. Mm -hmm. Um, and I thought that he just looked kind of welcoming and it was a big mistake (laughs) because I, I was looking at him kind of like, that's not Tim Curry. Yeah. That's a horrifying clown from hell yeah. that I'm looking at. Well, Tim um, Curry in Home Alone 2 was pretty terrifying as well. If, yeah, he had that Grinch. He did like that Grinch smile, I remember, from Home Alone 2. Mm-hmm. He was the villain. Right. Um, there was a time when we were growing up that Stephen King made-for-TV movies were a big deal. It yeah. was like multiple mm-hmm. weeks where they would... It was one of them. The Langoliers was one of them, which I haven't the, read or seen. They had The Stand, and then my favorite uh, TV movie was uh, Storm of the Century. Yes. yes. Storm of the Century is great. Yep. Yes. And and they were events. You're right. Yeah. He, he was like, was that ABC? I feel like it was all one Probably. station. It, yeah, It was on one of the networks, but yeah, it was like a week-long event, and we talked about it every day at school. It was like the big, the big topic. So I think if we want to just, and no one's asking to do this, but I, I'm going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. So setting up the hierarchy, I think Justin makes up the base, right? I also read Cell. Is that a Stephen King The book? Cell. The Please Cell. Please get it. 
correctly. Sorry, I read that. Wasn't <laughs> this correct. is a celebration of Stephen King's work. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> um, and what about you, Chris? I think you and I are probably in a race to see. No, because I, I stopped at like age 21. Um, you've, did, you, did, I, did I force you to read The Dark Tower? You, you absolutely, I mean, forced <laughs> is a term that is exactly correct. You forced me to read that series. I never actually finished it. I, I read the first four books. And I think the fourth book, the one where it has nothing to do with the actual story, is the one that really turned me off. And then, frankly, he hadn't written the fifth one yet. We were waiting for the fifth one, and I yeah. never got back to it. You actually gave me your fifth book, and I never gave it back to you. Oh. <laughs> I, but, th- there's a point in time where I was moving, and I was trying to find all of them. Oh, yeah, and, I have it. Oh. It's here. I'm, actually, I'm looking at it. I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm not looking at it. I do like that he... <laughs> I'm burning it right now. <laughs> ...kind of more or less tries to tie in all of his fiction into that Dark Tower series, or at least mm-hmm. some of his stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, he ends up writing himself into it. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Like I like how they're still trying to get the movie made after like 15 years, yeah. and they just can't get it right. Well, yeah, because they, they originally wanted to do like a, a three-platform release where it's like TV that blends into a book that, or, or blends into a movie that then turns into an ongoing series. It, they, they wanted to do so much with it, but... Yeah. Mm-hmm. I tried to read the Dark Tower series as well. I tried to read it. I tried to listen to the audiobook version of it. And mm-hmm. I just could not get past the first I don't even know what. Like like it it opens like there's like isn't there like a bar scene in the opening? You're asking uh, about very obs- like old books that right. I've read in the years very ago, beginning. So there's at some point in the book I could not get past cuz I just had no idea what was going on and I just couldn't I just couldn't push through. In the Dark Tower 1? In the it, very first Dark Tower. No, it, it, it starts with the man from, the, the man in black running across the desert. Right, yeah, right. yeah. I remember the gunslinger. He's just walking yeah. across the desert forever. The, the second one is, uh, is it the drawing of three? Is that the second one? Yes. That's the, the drawing one. of the three. Chris. Of the, oh, goodness. It's a, it's a celebration, like you said. Let's get and, right. and he tells basically three stories that happen in real time, right? And, and then the... the I forget what the, the big catch is. And then the third one is the one where it's mostly on the train and the riddles and all that, the wastelands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The wastelands. And then the fourth one is some way super old, back in the day, huge book that has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> I also read two of his Richard Bachman books. Mm-hmm. Um, the, like the, the Regulators. Thinner. Yes. The, the Regulators. The regulators yeah. and the I'm, other part of The Regulators. Which again, I read yes. the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Not sure why, because yeah, by the end, it just is so out there. Yeah, look, I'll say this: there's two things that I would recommend for anybody who's interested in Stephen King. Number one, he's great for audiobooks. I think, yeah, I think it's perfect because, um, the length of his books at times, you you aren't as daunted hearing somebody read it to you, and the way the story flows. I think he writes very conversationally. Um, yeah, he's obviously a great writer. Great, yeah, yeah, and I think it, I think his his stories just have a flow to them. I will say that you are absolutely right that he is always. I think if you want to boil it down, 
he's three fourths of every book is always the strongest part. And the last quarter seems to be the most hurried, rushed, and kind of when he wraps it up, he rarely sticks the landing in the way that mm-hmm. he that he opens his books. Mm-hmm. And and that's been my relationship with him pretty much all around eleven, twenty two, sixty three and after it. It is it's always a great idea, a great premise that then kind of peters out. Um yeah. but I will say that this book is great all the way through. I mean, okay. I I legitimately would put this in the top. I mean, I love his books, but easily top ten. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, not all his books are are. I mean, when you think of terrible endings, thinking about the the Langoliers it has one of the worst endings of any book. But then everybody is reminded that he he wrote the Shawshank Redemption, technically. So. What what uh, series of short stories was that in? Oh man! It, well, that's the other thing. His his short stories are incredible. Yeah, yeah. his short stories are great. That's yeah, a strong I mean, point. Exactly. Um, but that was was it needful uh, things? No night. Was it night shift? It could been. Skeleton crew four past midnight. It Ooh, I think it may have been four past midnight. Yeah, because look at the date, nineteen ninety. Right, I think it's four past midnight. Oh look, a collection Stephen King goes to the movies. Actually, actually <laughs> I missed I missed that one. The Langoliers is from Four Past Midnight. Yeah. So that's Stephen King. He obviously is the the biggest component of this show. Yeah. Well, well, that's his writing. But then when you look at what he's done, when he's touched his adaptations, right? He has like the reverse Midas touch. Well, I mean, and you and you were saying he's written some of these episodes. He's credited for eight of them. And oh, there's only wow. eight. And there's only eight. Well, that doesn't mean... I mean, that to me seems more like a... Sort of like an arbitrary, like, yeah, this guy wrote the book. Well, no, because, I mean, I can't... I can't um, be 100% certain, mm-hmm. but on IMDb, which is just what I'm going off of, mm-hmm. they made a point to put where he was credited with the story mm-hmm. and when he was credited with, like, the script. Okay. And so, um, on IMDb, he's credited as actually writing the scripts. There's three other writers. Um, Bridget Carpenter, Brian Nelson, Quentin Peoples. Um, Bridget Carpenter wrote seven. Stephen King, eight, and the other two each did one. And I can, I can now confirm that Shawshank Redemption was from different seasons. That's the name of this short story set. There you go. Apt Pupil is also in there too. I rough. Yeah, so I was gonna say, what else has he done? He's done Apt Pupil, uh, Misery, Thinner. It was talking about that guy adapted, right? The Shining TV movie. I mean, all the which is stinks. Yeah, didn't he? He directed Christine, or he directed the uh, the Cars Come Alive movie. Cujo, Cujo. He didn't direct Cujo, but he wrote he wrote yeah. Cujo. And Carrie. There's a bunch. And I think he traditionally hates every good adaptation and loves every bad one. Yeah. I think that's pretty much like down the line. He hates mm-hmm. Kubrick's The Shining, which is absurd. Yeah. I feel, I feel like we should take his name off of The Shining <laughs> just as punishment. <laughs> you obviously don't understand your own work, sir. So I'm <laughs> going to say that I wrote it because I respect Kubrick's vision. Yeah. 
So, uh, who else is involved with the show? J.J. Abrams. So it's executive produced by J. Which at this point, what does that mean? Everybody's an executive producer right now, right? I'm not. Look, like he just did Star Wars. He's doing. How involved is he? I don't think he's involved. I think it's just a way to get people to watch it. I think he signed a paper that basically said, "Hey, will you be the executive producer?" And that's literally his involvement. Listen, I don't want to tip my hand. I didn't talk to you guys about this beforehand, but uh, I'm working on something pretty big. And and let me just say, <laughs> there might be a chance in a few episodes where we'll be able to ask that question uh-huh. and uh, get a clear answer from the horse's mouth. But I don't want to say anything more. Uh, I don't want to get sued. But um, uh-huh. I'm just I'm I'm working on some stuff. Okay. Okay. That sounds promising. Yeah, and and that means I'm working on a good J.J. Abrams impression. Oh, okay. <laughs> if I can, if I can pull that off right, we can, uh, we can have it, him here. Is anyone doing J.J. Abrams at this point? Comedians? Well, I, I can be the first. Okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm like, they're sending me down into that mine to see if it's stable enough. Mm-hmm. See what we can get out of there. You're the canary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's not a good analogy. That's not a good analogy. <laughs> <laughs> we we all like lost, right? I mean. Oh, yeah. Well, we liked the first four seasons of Lost. Right. Okay. I'll stand up for the whole series. You can sit down. I I only watched the first four seasons, so I can't speak for the rest. Well, lucky you. Does it matter to either of you whether he's a producer name only or whether he was more involved? Would you care either way if he came out and he was like, I was on set every single day? Or if he's like, "Eh, yeah, I I wrote my name on that thing. It would just some money at him. Are you talking about for the new show or Lost? For, no, no, for for the new show. Would it matter either way for you? Yes, it would matter. Oh, it would? What, if, what would if you If he want? said he's on every single day uh, on the set, and I would know that it's going to be really, 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 really good. Hmm. Yeah, I think I would, my, I would probably mm-hmm. expect more from it if he was that involved. But I don't think it would, you know make me more excited for the show or anything. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I, I mean, at this point going into, it, it's kind of like, this is a Hulu series. So I'm not expecting much. You know what I'm saying? Just from like a, I just want to see what they can do. Well, I, I expect a lot out of this because Netflix and Amazon prime have already set the bar. Yeah. But doesn't Hulu seem kind of like the forgotten stepchild to Amazon and Netflix. That's what I'm saying about like the production that I'm, I was, I'm expecting the production values to be low. Like that's all I'm saying. I'm, I'm, but I am interested to see like how, how far are they going to let this go artistically? Right. Are they going, did Hulu just say, be like here, uh, director and Stephen King, here's, however much money just do what you want to do with it or is it we've really got to make this work are there a lot of hands involved you know what i mean is jj abram uh just a uh producer by name is he actively involved is he just like the guy in project green light where it's like hey we're having some issues get jj on the phone you know what i'm saying he's in china <laughs> Yeah, making a phone and call. he really has no idea what's going on, but people are just like trying to pull weight or something. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like 
and, and this is something that I want to touch on uh, maybe later on, but they also have different directors for all eight episodes, mm-hmm. which kind of like I was hoping that True Detective season one mm-hmm. would kind of make the case for what a single vision from a director, from a talented director, could do for a series. And I'm kind of disheartened to see them go back to uh, just everybody. James Franco, by the way, does the first episode. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so he wow. directed it? Yeah, so we can get excited <laughs> so about that. That doesn't sound good to me. <laughs> like Have you seen any of his movies that he's done? No, I He's haven't. basically done, like, he's working through Faulkner and Cormac McCarthy novels. Yeah. Basically with his directorial. Um, you know, I I feel like... You know he's constrained by the content, so mm-hmm. I think I think he'll be fine. But but with Hulu, I think they are the third child, and I think that they will have to overperform in order to compete. And so I I'm actually not expecting like if you look at shows like um, what's the Amazon Prime hit Man, Man in the High Castle? Man in the High Castle, yeah. Have you seen that, Chris? I watched the first episode, and it reminded me so much of The Americans, which I'm still going through, that I said, this is going to have to wait. Right. But, but you could tell, you know, the CG in that is obviously just like, here's our budget. You know, we can only do kind of backdrops. At the same time, it was perfectly acceptable to me. Well, yeah, I, I think it works, but it's not visually pleasing as mm. a... Let me screen cap that um, backdrop. Uh, I, I think it works for that for that show, but I think this show is going to have to at least outdo Man in the High Castle. Like I'm expecting better visuals than than that show. And that show has decent ones. Like mm-hmm. if if eleven twenty two sixty three, I think falls short of that watermark. I'll be disappointed. And watching the trailer, I it looks like they nailed the fifties setting without having to use too much kind of CGI backdrops. Right. Yeah, I don't think that'll be the issue. I, I think Hulu is gonna try to to, you know, do their best to compete. So I bet they threw a lot of money into this. Right. Franco's goatee still seems to be the major issue, which I'm fine with. Yeah. <laughs> well, to me it just seems like it seems like two. It seems just like there's a lot of stuff in the mix. You know what I mean? It's like you've got Hulu's first big production. It's a. It's a. It's kind of a weird story on its premise, or at least high concept, right. hard Cause, to cause explain. Because you're, you're talking about I'm going to a closet to time. Well, I mean, it's, it, well, not just that. It's time <laughs> travel. It's a period piece. He's going back in time to. Uh, prevent the assassination of JFK. He's doing it by walking into a closet. It's starring James Franco, who brings his his own baggage with any role he's in, which I'll say I like James Franco. I like that he tries to do everything he can. I think he's a weird and funny guy, but he's he's starring in it. He's also directing the pilot, apparently. It's being written by Stephen King, who doesn't have the best track record when it comes to writing for films or TV. You know what I mean? It just seems like a whole lot of things that could really easily go wrong. Blow up. So that's what has me a little 
I mean, it has me equally concerned as I am interested to see what it's going to be. But that being said, I liked the trailer. I thought it looked good. I thought, you know, everything for me worked. Like you said, I thought the production looked good. Like it looked believable. From what acting is in it, the acting looked fine. Like I was excited to see the show after watching the trailer. Nothing about it outside of that goatee stood out to me in mm-hmm. any way other than like this looks good. The one thing that, that I wanted to, to, to ask you all is you're, you're writing a time travel story. Where does JFK's assassination rank in, or, you know, let's not say you're doing a story. Let's say you can time travel. Mm-hmm. Where does JFK's assassination rank in historical events that you would think about preventing? Well, that's not our generation, right? That's our parents' generation. Right. But if you wanted to make a difference, if you wanted oh a difference in the world right if you wanted to use your time travel for good where would i mean do do we all agree that hitler is number 1 it's a t- it sounds like you're prepared for this and i no I'd no no to- I, I i just thought of it when mm. justin was talking about this being a high mm-hmm. concept story well, and i was like it, it's a high concept in terms of him walking to a a closet but then when you said JFK, I was like, well, if you're doing time travel, I would think JFK would be like one of three options that you would go for if you're writing. If you're like, hmm, I'm going to write a time travel movie. And it's like, okay, he's either killing Hitler, he's stopping JFK's assassination, or he's preventing I might go, go back, back to the uh, early 90s Hornet. and stop all the grunge singers from overdosing. Oh, from overdosing. There's yeah. the twist I was looking for. I thought you were just going to say... And stop them, but you you want them to continue. <laughs> no, I want them to. Some of them, you know, were taken pretty young, but uh, there's a few I think I can save. Little little A A N A. Sublime. Sublime. I mean, Nirvana, Blind Melon, Alice in Chains. Crazy back then. <laughs> so so Chris, your your hierarchy is Hitler, uh-huh. JFK, and then actually keeping alive. Grunge singers from the night. I would reverse that order, but yes. <laughs> no, there's got to be there's got to be uh, something else that happened that we could have uh, besides those uh, two. Well, I mean, uh, where where would you? What about Lincoln? Lincoln, that's a good one. Lincoln or JFK? Lincoln. I think Lincoln. I know Lincoln. I don't know. This it feels a- like it feels like uh, JFK was involved in some stuff. I, I, I don't know. I don't fully. Uh, I kind of buy into some of the conspiracies. That, uh, he deserved it. Go ahead and say it, Chris. That's it. That's what I think happened. <laughs> I think he had it coming. You're going to be. That's why we brought you on the show. You're you're coming at this thing from a whole nother angle. <laughs> you know what? I think JFK did it. Wait, that doesn't make sense. Speaking of time travel, <laughs> he killed himself. <laughs> He went forward in time, then went back in time, and shot himself in the head. Because he couldn't take it anymore. Oh, he just wanted to get away from his life. Yeah. You know what I would do? And the amount that I think about this in my present life is depressing. Mm-hmm. I would go back in time. We have the knowledge we have now, right? Sure. Yes. I would go back in time, and I would spend... 99% of my time gambling on sports and winning 
endless amounts of money. <laughs> you have no idea how much I think about that stupid almanac from Back to the Future. Oh, me too. And how, <laughs> too. how much I would love to have that almanac and just play FanDuel DraftKings <laughs> all day long. <laughs> I think about that more than I should, but that's what I would do. I would not save anybody. I would go back in time and just win money. It's a, it's a great idea. I mean, you, there's so many things that you can go. It, it, just tell me one thing that happens yeah. Yeah. tomorrow, and I'll bet on it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and somebody probably is betting on it. Like, I, I found in just casual research and stuff, like, there are places you can bet on, like, weather. Mm-hmm. Like, you can bet mm-hmm. on anything. Oh, yeah. Somebody out there is trying to, will we'll bet you on anything. Mm-hmm. It's um, true. Political stuff. The Oscars. Mm-hmm. Oh, massive betting. There's uh, there's dead uh, death pools all over mm-hmm. the place. Wait, death pools? Mm-hmm. Which yeah, celebrity death. will die next? Oh, I thought you were saying like people playing for their lives. Oh, <laughs> I was like, no, wait, what, no, celebrity. What website uh, is that? Like so people with, with my grunge singer uh, Scott Weiland. People, a lot of people cashed out. Oh my god! Can you imagine if you moved into a super rich neighborhood, and people were like, "Oh, where'd your money come from?" Be like, "Ah, oh, you remember that overdose two months ago?" Yeah, I saw that coming. I nailed it. I nailed I it. Had the exact date and everything. <laughs> I went and saw him live, barely coherent. I knew he had two months. All right. Well, I think that does it for. Oh, that's uh, a great place to end our uh, introduction or expectations for. 11 2263 um you can follow us individually on twitter i am at blizzard with nine z's i'm at things come right and i'm at kk summers if you want to uh comment on this episode or get any other sort of information you go to our website eipodcast.com if you're listening to this in the everything is interesting feed we will continue doing that show sporadically when we have something to talk about. Um, Keith and I are both currently reading a book called The Short Drop. Uh, Super so, good. So we'll be talking about that soon. Chris, you're welcome to, to join us if you want to read that book. Okay. Um, so that show is not going away, but it is uh, taking a all-too-familiar break <laughs> while we find other things to talk about. But, but we will be doing this uh recap and sort of exploration of 112263 every week for the next eight weeks I guess until the series is over um, we'll be recording on Tuesday nights hopefully the show will be out on Wednesday and uh, and and I want to stake my claim as the guy on this show who would actually go kill Hitler or stop <laughs> Lincoln's assassination over winning on FanDuel okay <laughs> you're a saint thank you <laughs> See you in the poorhouse. <laughs> There'll be no more poorhouses when Lincoln lives. Oh, well, I was talking about my future where I have limitless mountains of money. And Lincoln has nothing. 